This week on Art in the Air features the board president for Michigan City's Friendship Botanical Garden, John Lineweber, about recent renovations at the garden. Next, we visit tabletop role-playing experience inspired from Tolkien, Dungeons & Dragons, and Pathfinder Role Seekers with Dungeon Master Dustin Ritchie and Zachary Gibson. Our spotlight is on 4th Street Theater's annual 10-minute play festival coming November 5th with Angela Hyde. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Mary. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Mary and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Welcome, you're listening to Art on the Air on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art in the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. We'd like to welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight from the uh, 4th Street Theater, Angela Hyde. And she's going to tell us about a whole bunch of things coming up, including the 10-Minute Play Festival and some of the things. Angela, welcome to Art on the Air Spotlight. Welcome, Angela. Thank you for having me. So tell Um, us a little bit about everything you have coming up, how you're restarting and reopening. I know with the COVID shutdown really put you out. In fact, you were one of our last in-person interviews uh, on our last uh, time when you were doing, I think, art uh, back in March of 2020. So, um, Angela, tell us about what's going on with uh, 4th Street Theater. Um, Fourth Street Theater is excited. We're going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary at our current location. And we are going to be doing a little musical review for three nights starting August 20th and 21st and 22nd. We'll be featuring 14 actors from around the area, all of which have performed on our stage before. And it's going to be a really special treat. We're looking at having some hors d'oeuvres and possibly some drinks for the event to help celebrate 20 years and that our patrons were generous enough to help us stay open during COVID. We are also looking at bringing in Chicago Children's Theater on October 16th, and you can already sign up for this event. Red Kite is a specially written show for children on the autism spectrum, and the actors are all trained on how to interact with the children and get them really involved and they encourage the children to get up and move around so it's a more interactive theater experience than normal. And we're really happy to bring such an experience to Chesterton so people don't have to drive as far. And when will that run? That will be on October 16th. It's one day only. 
and we'll have three performances that day. Then you have the uh, 10-Minute Play Festival. Tell us uh, how that's involved. I guess you guys have been doing it since 2014, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, we actually are going to be using the plays that were submitted last year. We selected eight plays, and we have the directors lined up. We'll be announcing auditions shortly. And it's a great way for someone that doesn't have enough time to be involved in a full-length play to get back into theater stay involved. We have some really great directors from all over the region. Um, they all have experience. We also use this as an opportunity to sometimes help directors who haven't really directed much or in a while get some more experience with some material that they've probably never seen because many of these plays, this will be the first time they've ever been produced possibly in some cases in the world and other cases in Indiana. So where, where does, um, where do you, where does a prospective playwright find this information for submittal to the 10 minute plays? Um, we'll be announcing in December for the ability to submit in 2022. Perfect. It's usually just one day because we only take the first 100 plays because one year we got over 500 submissions. And I was on the committee that had to read all those plays, and it's just a bit overwhelming. So we limit it to the first 100 plays, and it needs to be a play that's never been produced in Indiana. And uh, this year, it's going to be opening November 5th when you get everything all uh, worked out, correct? Correct. Normally, we have the festival in August, but we moved it to November 5th because of COVID and we were wanting to really get this show in because it's such a great event and very few theaters in the area are doing a 10-minute play festival. And what else do you have coming up after that uh, in your schedule? Because you're kind of putting your season back together. Um, we're going to be bringing in Grant Fitch to do a Halloween event on October 30th. And he's also going to do a one-man version of A Christmas Carol on November 27th. We haven't set the dates yet, but we're talking with M Productions on adding some special improv comedy nights on our schedule. And then in March, we are going to do The Importance of Being Earnest, which was one of the shows we had to unfortunately cancel due to COVID. And real quick, just go about your uh, COVID things as they stand now. We know that can change. Seating in your theater and such. And give us your location contact information because we're just about ready to wrap up here, Angela. Um, for COVID, we are encouraging people to wear masks. It's not required, but what the CDC announces later today could change that. We normally only seat 55 people. We're going to seat 30 to help people be spread out. And we're located at 125 North 4th Street in Chesterton, Indiana. Our phone number is 219-926-7875, and the website is fourthstreetncca.com. Okay, well, thank you so much, Angela Hyde from the 4th Street Theater, 10-Minute Play Festival, and a whole bunch of things they're getting back going after COVID. Thank you so much for being Art on the Air Spotlight. Yeah, so exciting. Thank you. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. We'd like to welcome to Art of the Year someone who's been very active in the Michigan City area. Uh, he brings a business entrepreneurship uh, with his background. 
Uh, he has a wonderful uh, background in all things, but he's really active on the community boards in the Michiana area. Uh, many of his hobbies are, include cycling, golf, kayaking, boating, and a wannabe cowboy. He's very charismatic, and uh, he's usually referred to as the life of the party. I'd like to introduce today John Lineweber to Art on the Air. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thank you very much. Aloha. Um, it's fabulous to see you. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much, too. <laughs> you guys are way too nice. Well, you're a very active part of the community there. So, John, our audience always likes to know about the background of our guests. And so tell us your life journey, how you got from where you were to where you are now. Wow, that's a lot of years. At <laughs> any rate, um, I was born in Chicago and then ended up in a community uh, in the south suburb, South Holland. But I've had a home out in Indiana since 1981. So and in, during that interim, I'm going to try to make this a little bit short. I was very much in document imaging. I started my career working with, uh, I went to law school and I was working with Xerox and um, I really liked the business side of things. And to make a long story short, I got into my own business with document imaging. And um, I've started four different companies and sold two companies back to Xerox, one to Rico, which is a big a billion dollar manufacturing company, and also Danka, which was a billion dollar company. So I love that business. I still have a company in Dallas, Fort Worth, um, and um, I just—I've always been one. Of, I'm the kind of person that really likes to work. I should have retired a long time ago, and I just don't do it. And I feel as good as I did 30 to 40 years ago for whatever reason. And I'm just going to. My doctor says, "Don't you stop? You just keep on working and doing everything <laughs> you're doing." And his comment was sort of interesting. He said, "You know, you're doing everything at the same level you did 30, 40 years ago." And your body is responding to that. And so my advice to a lot of people from when I don't ever retire, I agree. do something, that, do something <laughs> that you have passion for, that you want to be involved in achievement and making a difference because it's exciting. It's interesting. And I think all human beings are, are made to contribute in some capacity. And that doesn't mean just doing, do good things, but you're involved in achieving things, whether it's art, painting, uh, for me, it's running businesses. For me, it's uh, raising money. For me, it's trying to create well, something that wasn't there before, regardless of what it is. And I love working for the community. I love Indiana. I have to say, but I you just, do all. You seem to do all of that naturally. But you also take good, very good care of your um, health by, you know, you cycle, you golf, you horseback ride. So you're active in so many wonderful areas. ways. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I, I enjoy it all. And I've I got a lovely family and. Um, and I think, you know, they see me too. And I think they, that reflects what they're doing. My daughter is right here at the farm with, she's, she's a, a director of a, a really interesting group of children that subsidize. They're trying to take children from various different uh, areas and uh, they want to walk them all the way through college. And this, they, this family happened a lot, lose a child and they're basically, they're, they're reasonably well off and they want to contribute for the rest of their lives to this kind of a thing. So I mean, my whole family likes to work and likes to achieve things. So, and we just had 400 people here at the farm yesterday to raise money for the gala that we had for the uh, Friendship Botanic Garden. So, you know, we're, um, uh, you know, th that's just, I don't know, that, that's, in a nutshell, that's who I am. I love working. I like, and I love people. And so. you're so generous with, with the things that you host at the farm. The farm is gorgeous and it's a beautiful place to interact in that way, but your generosity and opening it up that way is fantastic. Well, you know what? You don't own anything. I'm nothing but a steward. Yeah. Caretaker. You know, what you have. And 
you know, and the property, we do anything we can to make, keep the property just the way it always was. Other than I got to keep the trails clear for riding horses, but other than that, we don't touch anything. And um, it, it is, it's a peaceful, wonderful, meditative place. And it's my favorite home and we happen to have a few. So I really, I like, I like it. I love, I love Indiana. Anyone that says they don't love Indiana and they want to go to other places. Well, good luck. I think that only people who haven't been here say that, actually. And Northwest Indiana is kind of unique even to Indiana. We have the proximity to Chicago, but we also have uh, our own identity here in the region. And I think that's very good. And you and I share oh, cycling as a passion. So, <laughs> Well, look, at we have bogs, we have marshes, we have wetlands. I mean, we have perfect ecosystems. It's amazing. Well, I'll give you an example. On the farm, we have our own pond. It's probably six, seven acres. It's spring-fed from the aquifer from Lake Michigan. Um, it's pure water. Uh, nothing else gets into it. The trees go right down to the bottom of it. Well, guess what? And it's about 20, 22 foot deep. And you know what? That's If you ever step on it, it's full of eutrophication from the leaves and the forest all around it. But, you know, we have a raft out there. Everyone loves to swim there. We can paddleboard. You know, and we do have a now we have a gazebo down there to you know to sit, relax, that kind of thing. But it's just so beautiful, and we don't mess with it. You know, other than if a tree falls down on a trail, we'll cut the tree up. But uh, other than that, the trees are leaning into, and it's just like you're—I don't know—it's just a remarkable. You're, you're the same way it was four, five hundred, a thousand, two thousand years ago. Nothing's changed. And I, you, and you're all over the farm, we're at the, you're at the last moraine. We're 13 miles south of Michigan City. It's the end of Lake Michigan. All of these hills are all, guess what? They're all sand. They're all dunes. So when I bring, you know, we have kids come out and they want to tour the farm. We, we do some of that for children in the grammar school. And I'll say, well, why is, there, why is there sand here? What is it? Then I explain it to them. They un- begin to understand it. And where do we get water? Well, we get it from the earth. We don't get it out of your tap. And so, <laughs> I, I, you know, everyone... And, and they're so sweet. I, I love young kids because they're so impressionable. And, you know, you can make a difference with them, I think, too. So I just love the farm. It's Firefly Farm, by the way. We have a similar philosophy, actually. Um, dream big and then dream bigger. And well, uh, do, you know who, do, you know who, do you know who quoted that, where, where I got that from? Where? One of my best friends is uh, Howard Schultz. He started, what do you think he started? Starbucks. I, he, I hired him in New York, spent quite a bit of time training him a little bit. I would co-call him in New York City, which is pretty abrasive. And, but you just have to fire right back at him. And I taught him, you know, if you're out there trying to market something or sell something, it's going to be a, a lot of rejection. But let's say if you make 25 calls or 20 calls that day and you're polite and sweet and nice and you've got a personality. And let's say you get two leads. Yeah, we'd really like to talk to you about something. You've won. People misunderstand it. You know, you're, it's that needle in the haystack like it is with everything, you know. And so, but he's the one that said, yeah, and then much after he became, it's a long story. And I lived with him in New York for six months while I started the company, uh, while I was commuting from uh, Chicago to New York. And, um, you know, we've gotten along really well, but I was really involved in his success to some extent. And he's a great guy, great person. And he's just done so many wonderful things. He's also worth a little bit more money than God. <laughs> he started with Starbucks. It's in the billions. <laughs> we don't have too many billionaires around northern Indiana, but he's just a great, a really lovely person. What I was going to ask you, John, is what's some of your favorite things to do in uh, northwest Indiana, the Dunland area and such? Well, that's a good one. You know, 
That's that's boy. Is that a, I think anyone that gets asked that question, you really got to think a lot about it. I love we're in a, in a we're in, in an interesting climate. Number one, it's very beautiful in the summer. It's cold, and we do get um, you know snow from the lake, which is very fluffy as opposed to heavy. And there's something beautiful about that on trees because it lands so graciously, and for a couple of days until it, you know that you know we got some over thirty some inches maybe ten years ago here. And, you know, after a couple of days, 30 inches dissolved to about 20 because it's very light, um, you know, in terms of that, uh, you know, lake effect snow. And I, I love the snow during the winter. Um, I like I think I like spring, summer and winter and summer better. But they all got something to offer. And, you know, we do have the advantage of having a major a major uh, uh, city close to us. But what I like about this, is I think Indiana is simple. It's not. I don't know. I don't see it as being terribly competitive, like when you get in the suburbs. And um, quiet. It's, it's quiet. It's peaceful. It's got lovely people. Uh, there's nothing that I can really say I dislike about Indiana. Uh, yeah, I, you can always complain about weather. Well, you know, why don't, why don't you go to Palm Springs and see how comfortable we are in the summer? <laughs> or, or go, you know, you're sort of near Death Valley. We'll go down to Florida and you, let's see how hot it is in the humidity. Um, a few negatives with weather, but you know, Indiana, I think, it's, to some extent, gives it all. Right. And uh, and I think, you know, we're, we're growing. Uh, I think we need to grow a little bit more. I'd like to see better jobs in Indiana. I'd like us to see, you know, I think we've got to do a much better job of getting uh, jobs in northern Indiana as opposed to Indianapolis or some other, you know, uh, I think we're, we're entitled to some of that. And we got a great location for it. And, but we are making progress. Valparaiso has done a great job. You know, over the past 15, 20 years, I think Michigan City has really begun to go in that context. We now have about six good restaurants on Franklin um, and we're doing more and more things for the community. Both the Barker, the Barker Mansion is being totally restored by the Barkers. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And I happen to be on that board. I'm sort of leading the charge on that. And we've already invested 2.1 million. I've invested about another more money. And now the uh, the Barkers have taken it over from the city. And they're really excited about it. And they give a lot of money to Northern Indiana as a foundation. So that's a big plus. And the garden. Yeah, that just recently really, happened. Yes, it has. In fact, it's closing uh, tomorrow. Excellent. To be totally done. It's been all approved, but the official thing, all the documents have been done. Now they've just got to be signed. And what I find so interesting, that was a place that it came over in 1934 with the. Uh, uh, so 100 year, it was the birthday for Chicago, and it was not a World's Fair. It was called the Century of Progress. Right. But it was a, it was like a World's Fair. There were, I think, three, four million people that came through it, if not more, during it, like a two year period. Well, the Dr. Warren, who was in Michigan City, offered there was a uh, a garden there called International Friendship Gardens, um, and it was run by three brothers, the Stofers. And he offered them land here in Michigan City if they would bring that over and do that same garden. It was supposed to be about friendship and peace. And But the interesting thing is, if you go back to our roles, let's see. And it was it was a, uh, or it gave us money, or gave them money then, to restore those gardens over here. So we had people like in the German garden. Wow, who was the chancellor of Germany then? Well, he, was <laughs> interest, he was interested in peace and, and uh the uh, the Queen of Holland gave us two hundred thousand tulip bulbs, and the uh, people at uh, oh, this is sort of interesting too. 
uh, Iran, or let's see, it was Iran, uh, they gave us the uh, Persian Rose Garden, which mm-hmm. still is there. And uh, the King George then sent over his personal gardener to develop the garden here. It really was, it was a place to see by not just the Northern Indiana, basically anyone east of the West Mississippi, they were, you know, on all those things that used to be when you drove your car, you got to stop here. Well, and they had a lot of politicians, governors, presidents that had stopped by and see that they saw that garden through the 60s. And at, and they had a lot of uh, entertainment and so on and so forth. But when the bar- Stouffer's started dying, the people in the local community kept it, but with no, they had no uh, employees. They had no money, but they kept it. And it was open maybe a day a week or two days a week. And they still had some things there, but it was on its last leg. But the bones are incredible. Trail Creek goes through it. It's surrounded by dunes. It's just stunningly beautiful. And someone asked me if I'd get involved. I said, sure. And so I did. And But we had to make changes right away. They had no money. All the infrastructure was gone. There was no electricity. Um, there was basically much of nothing. Or nothing worked, operated. So True. It was beautiful, but there was no vibrancy in it. And that's what you brought back. You brought the magic and the, the charm. And the, I don't know. Well, there, actually, I would disagree with you a little bit. It was not that beautiful. And it was never open. I mean, you really have to be objective about it. It was, it was, on, I, and I went to the mayor and I said, you know what? I'm going to get involved, but I need your help. And if you won't help me, you're going to own it. They have no money. They can't keep anything. It's, it's gone. And there were nobody coming through it. They, they had 2,500 people go through it. We'll now have somewhere around 70,000 this year. And we're getting close to 100. And I have four, four full-time employees, and I have um, part-time employees, another five or six, and another one full-time, or two other full-time on the ground, so it's more than that. So, But now we're, and I raise a lot of money, and the, the community's embracing me and embracing the garden. So a lot of the com- countries, the companies that haven't given, you know, a whole lot to Michigan City are now fessing up, and they're really, they're, it's, really it's really wonderful. And so we've been able to rebuild it. We've got all the infrastructure redone. We have uh, the old lights from uh, Michigan City. We got the old ones that they tore down. We have an empowered coated with new things on it. And so many of the communities like Marcus Electric, they've done so much for us on a free, free basis. Horizon Bank has given us a very educational as well as fun the kids to play. These people I'm talking about is giving me 100, 100, 100 to 300,000. And... Um, uh, the Healthcare Foundation has just been extraordinary, and the Barker Foundation has been wonderful. That's why I've gotten very connected with them. And so the garden is now, it's one of the major destination points in northern Indiana. We have, we have people coming from Fort Wayne to do weddings. We do 60 weddings a year. We just built up a very big uh, new pavilion. Now we're bringing, we, we have the, 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 the lyric, we have the symphony, but I want to keep that garden. I want young people to come into that garden. So I want the music to entertain them as well. So I don't want it to be an old person's garden. I want it to be a family garden for young and older. Well, you um, know, the, Frank, the Franklin Street merchants were the first ones to um, use that. We were the inaugural event at that new pavilion. We did the fashion show. Yes, you did. And you did it with, uh, I think, a drag queen. That was very yes. familiar. So yeah, it, was fa- it was fabulous event. Just fabulous. Yes, well, now I'll tell you, on the, August 6th, 7th, we're going to have uh, called the Uptown Boys. They're coming from uh, New York, from Ravinia, because we can put a thousand people there out there on that grass. And we have about a 26 foot fountain that you can push buttons and all the colors come up. 
and that was from the Barker Foundation. And we we and we we have like Johnny V and uh, we, we just anyway. But the Uptown, uh, the Uptown, boy, I mean, they're going to be on a Friday and Saturday night. I want to see how that's going to react because it's really it's still only you'll find out what's this, and you can bring your family. I've got one group coming, and I think the guy that Scott, uh, what's his name, Steve Scott, he's a director at. Uh, uh, yeah, we're, the we're Dunes, Dunes Arts. Uh, the, the, yeah, we've we actually have interviewed them about what they're doing there, as well as the symphony. So uh, they've already been on our spotlight segment to talk about how they're using Friendship Garden in the pavilion, and they're real excited about that. Well, and also I've, I've done that. I'm anxious to see how they do do because we would like them, and they're promoting it a lot, and they're going to be great. I think they're going to be excellent. And they're going to be on a Friday and Saturday, but. Um, and there, what was I going to say about that, though? I'm really interested in them, to, uh, and I want them to do The Sound of Music. And I want to do it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And they've sort of agreed to that. So I think they're going to have to agree to, agree to that. I think it's going to be something for the, <laughs> for the garden that, I, that we need to do. I want to get more families there as well as. And so, and I think Steve's going to be, do a great job. And I think what they're, they're doing with the cabaret is going to be exceptional. And I think they're on the... I think it's right before the 30th and 31st, I think, of July. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it and, is. Um, and it's a Friday and Saturday. And what's so neat about that, you got to let people know. Every time we have Johnny B, who's gonna, he appears like six, seven, eight times a, uh, a season for us right now. He's awesome. We don't even have to advertise it. He has a following. We get 300 people there when we open the doors. And he does such a great job. And he's very local, but he knows a lot of great musicians. So we're talking with him, too. We're really going to try to, to convert that whole thing into like a little Ravinia. And um, I suppose I can't say that, but I am, because <laughs> it's the same concept. We've got a beautiful pavilion, a whole new sound system. It's all brand new. And everyone loves it. They bring their own chairs. They bring their own blankets. And they sit out there and they can, you know, they can have a glass of wine. They can have a beer. They can have food. And they're just, it's a, we just, we're trying to get the word out. But they keep coming. So I think we're going to do pretty well. I, I think this year is going to be bigger than last. And I, last year, last year we did well, but la last year our memberships went up two hundred twenty-five percent over the year, and our gate was two hundred twenty percent higher than last year. Congratulations! And guess what's happening this year? It's higher than what it was last year, as so far through June. So it's the the garden is becoming, in all frankly, it's probably one of the most interesting places to come to. And I make one other comment, and then I'll shut up. <laughs> is that you can go through the garden in two hours. It comes out of there smiling. You know, if you go up to let's say Myers in Grand Rapids, or go down in Naples in Florida, you know their their uh, gift shop is about the size of five thousand square feet. It's so overwhelming. Do you really enjoy it? I challenge you on that. Or go to the Botanic Garden in Chicago. You have to go through it many many days, and it is beautiful. I'm not going to deny any of that. But our garden is a place that you can go for peace, tranquility. We have the we have the Horizon Bank amazing labyrinth garden, and if you want to pray, the cancer survivor garden. Everyone has someone that's been affected by cancer. A wonderful and children's playground area, beautiful. Well, the whole the whole thing. But when they walk out of there, I've had so many people say, "Everyone's happy here. I'm happy when I'm there." It's, it's manageable. You can go through it for two hours and you just feel relieved. And I really mean that. We've also got a health and, uh, health and wellness, the uh, uh, Laporte, the Laporte Healthcare Foundation, Naples, Florida. And those are beyond quality. And so we have a lot of things that people can do, but still enjoy, 
being outside. It's right along Trail Creek. We're going to be running ca canoes from uh, Michigan City all the way up to the garden for lunch. Oh, and they wonderful. can canoe back. So we're doing a lot of interesting things. And I've got other plans. So, so I have a garden question, John. So did you... Um what did you do with the old statuary that was on the grounds? Is it still, did you restore it? Did you place it in different places? Did you No, we, we basically, unfortunately, most of it is maligned. Uh, but we've kept all of that was up in it up. So almost 100 years old. Um, some are somewhat damaged. Um, they had uh, the ones that they, they, they're somewhat crooked. We're, we're straightening them out. But we've kept as many as we can. And, some of them are, a couple are still really good, but a lot of that's been lost over the last 50 years. Uh, there's pieces of it. Uh, but you know what? It's the other point, and I try to make it, that's the reason we changed the name. It's not 1934 anymore. It's 2021. <laughs> and, you know, there's no more, I don't think there's too many more. We're not an ethnic uh, country anymore. You know, if I take, I've got three nationalities, my grandkids, uh, they, they can list them, but they don't have a clue. Whereas, you know, we still have a very big Polish community. We have a pretty good Irish community. We have an African-American community. And so we still have a lot of those gardens, uh, a lot of Lithuanians. But, you know, some of the ones that were gone, for whatever reason, we're not trying to, unless someone wants to come in and say, okay, I'm X, we'll, we'll we'd like to help you redo that garden, then we'll consider it. But I'm, I do want to, and I do want to put in a big Japanese garden with a lot of water components because I think it's incredible. They're great gardening, and I do want to redo the Native American garden. And we've added gardens like the Junior Diabetes Garden. The family has a son. I didn't know how bad Junior Diabetes was. They have to take a shot every day. Um, and what a beautiful son they have. That's he's like six, fifteen, sixty. Great. Well, they maintain that garden. Then we did the cancer survivor garden because I just were all affected by that. The children's garden, they never had a children's garden. That's, we never had a health and wellness garden. Uh, I finally got, I got the Rotary Club. We got to, you got to keep your garden up or guess what? I'm going to vaporize it. Right. And, Whoa, <laughs> guess what happened? It's so kept up so well now. They've been, and now they have their meetings out there and so on and so forth. So the garden is growing, but you know, you know, we're we're not as ethnic as we were when I was growing up in Chicago as a kid. When there were definitions of where different nationalities live, and so now we're much more integrated. So, you know, I don't know. It's, I think we're we're moving in the right direction that way because we're becoming somewhat universal as a garden, and it's about today. You'll never see any kids out there playing with their phones or their computers. They come out there and they're just having they're loving it. I have never seen a, a child, even a teenager, with a, with a phone out. Yeah. Well, there's so now, much sure freedom. Freedom. And you're just, I don't know, it's just different. Come on out and see it. Beauty and wonder. <laughs> We're, and uh, we are planning on putting a visitor center in. And I've got a, I'm raising the money for that currently. Well, uh, how you find it, folks, is at 2055 East US 12 in Michigan City. And you can find out information online at friendshipgardens.org. And you're talking or listening to the president and board of directors of Friendship Botanical Gardens, John Lineweber. We appreciate you coming on Art in the Air and uh, letting us know about how the Friendship Gardens has really changed uh, dramatically. I know I've been there several times and we're real excited about uh, what you have planned and what's happening in the future. Thank you for coming on Art in the Air, John. Hey, thank you so much. Thank <laughs> so you. No, the history is so interesting, John. Thank you. Well, you could go on forever. There's a lot of history. Hey, thank you so much.
You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. And we'd like to welcome to Art in the Air. Well, we've interviewed one of them before, but I actually know both of these uh, young men. And uh, we're going to talk about their background and something very unique. If you're familiar with the world of Tolkien, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinders, and all these things that are nerdy and fantastic, uh, they have formed a group called Roll Seekers. And it's a tabletop role-playing game. But what's different about it is they actually, you're able to watch it live-streamed, and they've created an entire uh, world. We like to have Dustin Ritchie, who's the Dungeon Master, and uh, Zachary Gibson, who is one of the characters in the group, talk us about their whole thing. Welcome to Art in the Air and uh, about your great role seekers. Right. You Thank know, it's you like, it's, having it's, us. it's so yes. unique that it's like the long play. Yeah. <laughs> long form, yes. It is. It's, it's, it's well, basically long form. The longest form. improv form. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, four hours at a time. Um. <laughs> well, uh, I have a familiarity with uh, D&D, but uh, I, I had some uh, actually school kids that I played it with in the late 70s, early 80s and uh, had a character out there. But that was the old day of, you know, just the dice, just the uh, books. There was not, not some of the other things. So, uh, but first of all, uh, we're going to explore, first of all, your uh, backgrounds. And so, Dustin, I'm going to have you go first. Tell us about how you got from where you were to where you are, how you grew up, where you grew up, uh, what you study, and what you actually do for a real living. Sure. Um, so my name is Dustin Ritchie. Currently, I am the production director for Indiana Dunes Tourism, and I am also the dungeon master of Roll Seekers. That's the humble dungeon master, both your best friend and your greatest enemy. Um, so, uh, but what I started, I'm actually, I'm a Porter native. I grew, was born and raised in, uh, I was born in Valpo and lived in Porter almost my entire life. I went off to school in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Augsburg University for theater and English. And then I went and got my graduate degree in a master's of science in telecommunications, production and design. And that's how I got into marketing. Uh, but throughout that whole thread, I studied uh, Tolkien, narrative dynamics, and how to create consistent story worlds. That's kind of been my... Um, that's that's been the thread since I've been in about fifth grade, always trying to figure out how you can tell consistent, uh, realistic fantasy stories. And when I was in college, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and actually, the, the joke was, is when I started playing, I was like, I, this is too nerdy. I can't do this. If I'm going to play Dungeons and Dragons, I have to start running. So um, I, I decided to start running. Uh, but really, the truth is, is I played one game of D&D. And the very next day I had basically every book. I, I've never, I've never done something that's been so in line with my loves. So it, it's communal storytelling. And, uh, so I've been playing for about a decade. And what ended up happening was, is we, we were really inspired by several groups, um, our role seekers group. We started looking into groups like Dimension 20 or Critical Role, these really popular, Dungeons and Dragons groups. And as we kind of looked around the table, I will never forget, we we're outside uh, in my backyard and we we're just looking at each other and said, why can't we do this? Like, what, what's stopping us from doing this? And yeah, they have a bunch of, um, you know, A and B list actors, but we decided, you know what, that the best thing about it is that Dungeons and Dragons is accessible to everybody. And so one of our big slogans in the game is that we're normal gamers, just like you playing Dungeons and Dragons for your enjoyment. And so after about six months of planning, preparation, and heartache, 
uh, we decided to launch the Roll Seekers game, and we are, I'm happy to say, just uh, just wrapped up our 24th, ep- I mean, sorry, our 14th episode. Um, so uh, moving right along, we've actually had a few sponsors. Uh, we're, we've reached out to the gaming community. We've reached out to artists. Uh, people have provided artwork for us. They've allowed us to use a lot of their different terrain. And now we're just really getting into the heart of it, of telling a great story, uh, creating a unique world, and fleshing out the player characters who are inhabiting and making choices in this world. Dustin, can I take you back to the fifth grade for a minute? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so when you were... Because I think I read that's when you first imagine now was yeah, in the yes. fifth grade. And so in your fifth grade life, where was Nabelle in the known universe? Was it in the unknown universe? I mean, where did you, where did you imagine it was? I mean, oh, I that, that you fifth, are unzipping yeah. my soul. <laughs> so uh, the truth is, is that the whole story started off um, even before fifth grade, I would draw uh, I would draw characters in a little notebook with my grandma, and we would draw these we would draw these characters out. And the notebook has since been lost. Uh, so sad, but but uh, we would draw these ridiculous characters, and they belonged into the world of ice and water. And it was one guy could control ice, and one guy could control water, which is redundant. But <laughs> but um, when I got to fifth grade, I started writing a story about a guy named Oscar, and he had a magical blimp. And he would take, uh, he took this young, this younger kid on this magical journey that kind of like crossed the thresholds, like C.S. Lewis style into another world. And they were trying to find these ancient magma pyramids. And I have no idea where that was going. So, um, the true origination of Nabel though started actually with a song. Um, it was a song. It was a song in the shower. I heard it and we use it actually as our intro song. It's the da, 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 da. And uh, that has been the through line. So uh, as I went to as I went to middle school, as I went to high school, as I went to college, that song has always been playing in the background. And as I gained more skills as an artist, that song started to create the world and has since been uh, put into the mythos of the world's creation. Excellent. So cool. Well, now we need to get a chance for Zachary Gibson to g- give us your origin story, how you got from where you were to where you are now, and then we'll zip that to how you guys got together, too, and we'll let you pick it up from there. So, Zach, go ahead. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes. All right. So, let's see. I started in, in Chesterton. I was born in Valpo, just like Dustin. Grew up in Chesterton. Uh, Dustin and I went to high school together. I'm just a few years older than him. Um, that doesn't make me better, though. I, I feel like sometimes when people say that, like, it means, like, uh, <laughs> I am older. I'm the older one. No, it doesn't. Um, we did theater. We did Footloose, I believe, right? Yeah. Here, we did Footloose. Holy moly. Uh, I went on and I worked at the Opera House after that, the Memorial Opera House in Valparaiso, Porter County Museum, Toll Theater, Star Plaza, eventually moved to Chicago, started school, studied at Columbia College, uh, Chicago, uh, started designing, got my first and only Jeff nomination as a scenic designer, and then moved back to the region and started a theater company. Gosh, I'm giving you the really cliff note version. Um, I produced a few shows. They were super successful financially and artistically. And then I uh, got into education. I was the guest director for Purdue North Central's 2017, I think, season. And then Culver Academies, the military boarding school here on the North Shore of Lake Max and Cucky, picked me up. So now <laughs> I'm director of theatrical design and production here. Um, I'm on campus today. Well, I, I live on campus. It's It's a beautiful little uh bubble if you will the culver bubble here 
So I spend my weekends, every other weekend that is, with Dustin in Chesterton, in his basement, playing Dungeons and Dragons. I, I <laughs> and I, I'm the school's D&D club sponsor, so I I tell stories with the kids. Uh, I run games with the kids, and we do it on stage. So we'll have some of the intelligent lighting move sometimes. We'll have lamps set the mood. It's really, really, really engaging. And then I also run, I run a game with some of the faculty here. So the adults. Um, and I run an, another game. Well, I don't always run when, when, see, that's the thing. When you say run, it could mean like you're like Dustin, the dungeon master and you're in charge of everything, or you kind of are a party member and you're just running with the crowd. Uh, I play with some of the faculty kids. So like they're some of the adults, they have kids who want to play. And so Mr. Gibson runs a game uh, with them. And I, I have to say, I don't know if I, I think the, the children's imagination is the best because I can go into a session with the kids. All right. Like a, a gaming session that's around three or four hours long. And I can have absolutely nothing planned. And I can ask the kiddos like, well, what do you think it is? And they'll give me four or five ways and I'll go, yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> so it takes all of this stress and pressure off of me because their their minds are they're so imaginative. They they want it so, so bad. Oh, and it's so important for them. Um, I know that so many I've heard so many people against role playing, but it just I mean, it is imagination and it is. You learn and, so much from that. And I'll I'll be honest, I've this wasn't the original intention, but I, I ran a, a game with a few students and a, one of them was a new freshman. All right. So just put yourself in the shoes of a 14 year old who is living away from home at a military boarding school. And that, that's, that's a lot right there. So this escape for him was, was very needed. This was early in the school year. Now, something I noticed was his character. I, I forget the character's name. I remember the character's actions though. His character was lighting everything on fire. Okay. <laughs> And, and, and you know, he was going against my direction and his teammates direction. And I thought to myself, this kid might be going through something. So I emailed his counselor, um, and his teachers. And sure enough, um, he, 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 he was going through some things, but needed that outlet, um, and someone to help identify what he was going through. Um, and so just like we do on, on the weekends, we tell stories. The kiddos at the school love watching us play. It's almost like I feel, um, a little bit like a celebrity when those <laughs> uh, role seekers on Twitch every, uh, what is it? First and, and third, right? Dustin? First and third Saturdays. Yep. First and third Saturdays. Yeah. They, we, we sign on, we play and they're in chat. You're like, Oh, cool. They're interacting, asking questions about what we're doing. Gosh, I think I covered the gambit there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did, uh, when I was doing this back in the late seventies, early eighties, it was an English teacher involved. Actually, he was the one who got it going. And he had some of them also as students, and some of them they were not great students, but they started sure. the writing started to improve. They, they they really, you know, they and they they improved in many other ways. And this, and he he credited it with D and D, and I think so too. That whole role playing brought out a different aspect of uh, the whole storytelling and everything like that. Uh, Dustin, give us a thumbnail sketch about. Well, I mean, you don't do strictly D and D, but tell us a little bit about that and uh, and how the different aspects of what Tolkien and things you brought together to create your world sure so um i guess i guess the best way to, to describe this world is we're looking at we're looking at putting on a campaign so the way that it works is we're in the first campaign that we we're going to be running in this world um and so the idea is that it's telling a encapsulated story 
That's the idea. You're in one area of this world and the map is actually much bigger. You know, you can go all the way to the, all the way to the edge of the map. And so you might not see all the places on the map. We're telling a specific story. And, and the goal is, is as we continue, hopefully if we keep going, we'll tell more campaigns and all of those campaigns will interweave in the grander tale. So, so the big, uh, our BBEG, our big bad evil guy is, uh, unforeseen. He is off, off the map. Players have never encountered him and we're calling him the nameless god. And so the overall mythos is that all the gods are dead. They have been for a very long time. And yet if you pray, sometimes your prayers are answered. So the idea is that there is this cataclysmic event that happened in times long past and some great evil uh, still remains in this world trying to be remembered. Uh, but in our current campaign, it is much, it's much more honed in. There's a, there's a political coup d'etat that's happening. Uh, there's a religious, there's a, uh, there, there's a religious turmoil. Uh, there is a, a, a good old fashioned evil creature that continues to have its presence known. And the heroes that we, we call them the fated, they are trying to traverse this world and figure out exactly where they stand. Uh, and the choices that they make have far reaching implications because they're starting to learn that the creature that they're fighting in this particular campaign feeds off of the fates un, uh, that don't happen. So it is, it is literally feeding off of all the different fates that could be, and it's trying to change fate so that it can consume the possibilities. Uh, so that's, that's a simplified version of it, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of exciting things happening. And, and when you get down into the character levels, you know, it's, it's just, that's my, that's some of the best parts is we have a, we've got a, a 14 year old. His name is Eli and he's playing a fighter from the land of heart horse ranch. And yet he's going to fight this evil demigod that is trying to eat fate. But boy, he's going to keep his family happy too. And so like it's, it's, it's putting these characters in situations where they could never beat the odds. And yet they do because that's what a hero does. Yeah. We're becoming heroes. That's, it. that's great. You can become whatever you want. It's wonderful. Become the villain too, but we're trying to stay away from that. <laughs> when your character does evil things, or like Dustin has said, it, you know, becomes the villain, it really starts to revolve around you and your character, and right? What you're doing so, it it's harder to um, to manage, I, I think. So we do discourage evil play, right? You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. So um, let's let's take an example, and maybe I'm going to have you guys do kind of a quick uh, example of that. But first of all, crash king. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, crash. Um, like a creation of a character, how you do that, and how you how you yeah. get started, and like even the ver- verbiage that goes on is like. Uh, I mean, I understand this a little bit, but for our audience, they may not understand what happens when you're actually role playing, what the setup is. So first of all, creation of a character. How does that happen? How do you do that? Sure. Yeah, Dustin, I'll, I'll just thank you for p- passing it over. I'll, I'll start and, and say, um, there's a mechanic and Dustin knows there's a mechanic because I always remind him that there's a mechanic. <laughs> I love rules. When I play a board game like Monopoly or Uno, which Uno, there's not as many rules, but you'd be surprised at how many people make their own home rules in Uno. I, before I even play, I'm like, okay, let's talk about the rules because I want to know which set you're going by. I'll read the instruction manual five or six times. I still won't understand it, but at least I've read it five or six times. With Dungeons & Dragons, fifth edition is what we play. 
the fifth edition. Um, Larry, when you played in the eighties, I believe, uh, seventies or eighties is probably first edition. Right. Um, and great, uh, um, little throw back here today, the, the day this, um, would you call us a podcast? Well, it's, it's a radio show. I mean, we, we are on the radio. Right. So the, today while we're talking, Gary, is it pronounced Gygax? Gygax. Gygax, the creator. The truest dungeon master. Right. <laughs> the, the one that we can all thank. Uh, his birthday would have been today, I believe, somewhere in the 70s, 78 or something like that. Um, but yeah, so happy birthday. Rest in peace, Gary. Um, but going back, there, there's an equation for everything you want to do. There's a mathematical way that you can accomplish anything in the game. It's important to understand those rules so that you can progress along in the story. Uh, if you want to climb or run or shoot an arrow... You have to roll a dice and add things. Uh, it's really important that you understand that. As you're playing the game, though, someone like Dustin has basically, what would you call it, Dustin? Um, like authority to change and make any call, right? It's omnipotence, essentially. Like you, you, you decide, you know everything and you decide everything. And in fact, in the Dungeon Master's Guide, um, it says basically you can throw out any rule. So it's really an interesting, it's a really interesting dichotomy. It's, it's so interesting hearing Zach play because like every player you come across, they approach the game differently. So Zach likes the rules. I like the story more. So like (laughs) we complement each other in an interesting way because uh, even hearing him say like the rules are super important. There are other DMs though that say never get bogged down by the rules. Never, never, ever get bogged down by the rules. Keep the story going. And, and so there, so there's this, there's this play where you don't want to, it's all about fairness. If I'm going to be honest, it's all about fairness. You want to make sure that the players are having a good time and you don't want to take something away from them that they believe that they can do. And that does happen in, in a lot of D and D games. So, so the goal is of, of a dungeon master is you have to be giving. Um, and, and one of the things that I've experienced the most is sometimes you take. And the players will look at you and be like, that was unfair or why didn't that work? And you can't tell them. You can't tell them why it wasn't fair because you're building something up that could come in a week. It could come in six months. And so you have to literally play those games. But, but, but at the end of the day, the funniest joke is that. I think it's page, um, it, it's at the very beginning of the Dungeon Master's book. And so one of the memes that they'll say is when a player says, but in the rule book, you say, yes, but page four of the Dungeon Master book says the Dungeon Master may decide anything at any time. And so you just, I think the, the, the books, because there's dozens of books, oh my gosh. Uh, books this year, so many books to read, uh, and each one's 200 plus pages. It's common language. It's to have a certain vocabulary. So there's almost like a baseline understanding For and sure. put full trust into your dungeon master. Sometimes they're called um, game masters. Too, game masters. Yeah. Right. Uh, because you know what? You might not go into dungeons uh, in your type of and game. You might not fight dragons. Right. Might, <laughs> I don't think we have technically on air fought a dragon yet, have we? Not yet. Not yet. Well, we've been in dungeons. So at least we're... <laughs> <laughs> well, take us through a quick scenario. Um, maybe uh, you as DM uh, take and uh, Zachary, you're you're the sole character, but take us like through uh, like a little little scenario of what what you might experience if you're going in. All right, I'm going to be a sneaky rogue. Is that okay, Dustin? Sounds good to me. Okay, I'm a sneaky rogue. I'm a I'm just going to take a little bit from the character I play in in Role Seekers, Lexi. Uh, let's say I'm Lexi. I'm a sneaky high elf rogue, and I I have just 
put my hood up. I've taken my action. And I've put my hood up to hide. Um, Dustin, can I hide? Yeah, will you roll for that, though? Just okay. so that way. And, and just so you know, if you're going to play this uh, rogue, mm-hmm. you actually have a small sprite with you, and you don't know how you got it. But she likes to talk to you, so she's going to talk to you right now. Hey, Lexi, what are you doing? Oh, I, I was going to... I was going to go and, and, and sneak into that, that tavern over there. I don't want to do that. Well, who are you? What are you doing? My name is Yesen. Yesen? Who's that guy over there? Oh, and then I'm going to look. Who is it? It's a small goblin. Oh. He has oh, many different bags, and he approaches you. Um, um, uh, <laughs> how, how, how did you? Who, who are you? Do, Dustin, do I know him? Uh, you've never met this guy before. Okay. Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh you got to keep it down. I'm trying to sneak into this tavern. Oh, are you looking for anything in particular? Because I'm looking for things all the time. Well, there's a certain key I need to get into this chest. Do you have it? I don't have it, but I know the guy inside who does. I don't like him. His name's Slimy Bill. Okay, <laughs> let's go get Slimy Bill. Uh, I'm going to go in inside, but I need a stealth. So you Yeah, roll? please, please roll for stealth. So I don't actually have any dice. I've got like... Little figurines here <laughs> all day because I was painting. So I'm going to roll a die. Let's say it's a five. Yeah. So you, you open up the door and um, immediately like the, the bar, that's a pretty low roll in D&D. So the bar uh, screeches to a halt and everyone turns to look at you. Slimy okay, so. Bill, Slimy Bill is rubbing something in his, uh, he's, he's like rubbing a, a, a mug. Oh, so he's the tavern key. The tavern guy. And it, it, you know that because he has a shirt that says, I'm Slimy Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And then the goblin leads over to you. That's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And Thanks. you'll have to tune in to find out what else is going to happen to this rogue. So we just we just yeah, went through a little scenario. Dice in my hand. I could have been rolling for you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> now, now, Esther, let me ask you, what type of dice do you have? What type? Um, well, they're my, my children's dice, and there's a whole bunch of them. They're for D&D. They play D&D. Oh, oh fantastic. Ooh. So you probably have a, a D20. And when I say oh, D20, yeah, I definitely have. That's what I had in my hand. For audiences, no, there's a whole wide range of different decided dice uh, that you, you roll for various types of things. And the Dungeon Master will say you roll uh, whichever side and the number comes up and everything like that. So, uh, so now that's an example of that. And you, and if you're interested, uh, is your group expansive? Are you letting more people in, or right now it's just oh, yeah. doing the broadcast? Like if someone wants to become a role seeker. Yeah. So right now we have uh, Jamie Spiegel, we have Zachary Gibson, we have Allison Ritchie, my wife, myself, Dustin Ritchie. We have Calvin Carden and Eli Carden. Those are Those our four players. Yeah. Right. So we also have a uh, Kevin Wesley joins us every once in a while, and Jamie's w- husband. Trevor Spiegel joins us, and we're actually losing a player to college. Uh, Calvin will be heading off to college here in the next two sessions. So um, our goal is we have five core groups, uh, group members, uh, and we are willing to go to, to six, but we like having five because we can have a special guest star every once in a while. So um, we find, though, that the game needs to be stay about six because that's seven players total with the DM, and that allows us to actually tell the stories um, rather than we used to play with 11 people and it was fun because it was like a party, but nothing happened in the game because it was 11 people. Right. And we used to play till like two o'clock in the morning. And, and nowadays we, uh, we just play for f- about four hours. Is it so, always, is it in person or are you, is anybody zooming in? It's always in person. Um, so we, we play in person just because um, my theater background and stuff, I really like to feel the energy of the players. Oh, yeah. It really helps me. 
Um, but you know, you know, the thing that we like to say in role seekers is the slogan that we've come up with is change your role, change your fate. And, uh, we really are hoping that people will, uh, tag in. We love, we, we're looking to do some, we're looking to go off and do some streams at other places. We're looking into Gen Con. Um, but you can find us the first and third Saturdays of every month. And, uh, we're on all of the social media channels. So we'd love you to check us out. Well, we really appreciate you sharing about the whole, all Role Seekers, and it's RoleSeekers.com is one of the places you go. Dustin Ritchie, Zachary Gibson, thank you so much for sharing that on Art in the Air. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. You've been listening to Art in the Air, and we'd like to thank our guests this week on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art in the Air is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. and rebroadcast Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP. Art in the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks again to Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager, and Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Our theme music is by Billy Foster, with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts. Underwriters for Art in the Air, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments, and Mary LeVan, Arts Patron. Art in the Air is always looking for financial support. We'd like to thank our current supporters. If you're looking to support Art in the Air... Esther and I especially would invite you to become an underwriter of this program in particular. We have information on our website at breck.com slash AOTA. You can find out support information there. So don't just be an Art on the Air listener. Become a supporter or underwriter in whatever amount you're able to do so so we continue to bring you this great content and this great local programming. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. And you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. Information about Art in the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. It's special.